Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Well, welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church. Those of you joining us, uh, church at home or doing micro church online, we are so glad that you are here today. And we are going to be a place that helps you grow in your faith, a place where you can belong. And in 2020, we can say, praise God, 2020 is behind us. And what we do from this moment forward, we'll chart the course for a new 2021. So we'll have a lot of excitement there. Now, you may not have realized this, but you know what book had the largest increase in sales during the pandemic? The Bible. So I thought that was pretty cool. So now that you have one, what are you going to do with it? Well, I would like to be your guide. And the reason why I think you can trust me to be your guide as you learn more about your Bible is this, is because I have this underlying principle that guides all of my teaching. First and foremost, I believe it to be the Word of God, and it's His revelation to us. But secondly, I believe that the most important thing is your faith and how you are knowing and growing closer to Jesus Christ. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, what to believe, or what to think. My goal is to help you discover your faith so that it grows according to God's will and purpose for your life. So our church is here to help you grow in your faith. And so if you got a Bible, praise God, because we are a church that likes to dig into the Bible. Okay, we are going to do a brand new series uh, to start this whole year off on a study of the book of Galatians. Okay, and Galatians is a book about rules. Okay, so it talks about what you're supposed to think about rules. How do you know what rules to follow, what rules you're not to follow and all that kind of stuff. So to give you a little context is first we got to understand is that every one of us lives by rules, right? Now there are rules and then there are rules, rules. Now there's this rules and that is like, hey, whenever you come over to the house, take your shoes off when you come into the house, in someone's house, right? But then, you know, somebody of course leaves their shoes on. Well, that's a small rule. Uh, Another rule is you don't use dad's steak knife on steak night, right? He's got that special knife, you know, it's that big giant one that he likes to carve his meat with. Uh, you can, uh, uh, you know, uh, use whatever bathroom you want, but the guest bathroom, your mom says, don't ever touch that bathroom so I don't have to clean it, right? So there are rules, and then there are big rules. Like, like here's a big rule, is that you can fight with your siblings over uh, Christmas, right? During all holidays. You can fight with your siblings, you can insult your siblings. You can put your sibling down. You can put your uh, pull pranks on your siblings, right? Uh, you can squabble with your, but the one rule is you cannot kill your siblings, right? You can do everything else, but you can't do that because if that happens, you're going to go to prison. So, so then there are big rules. You know, there's some big rules that you can't ignore. Like, what about the rules of physics? We call these laws, right? Uh, for instance, there is one physical law that governs everything, and none of us ever ignore this law. It's called the law of gravity, right? Now, if someone says, I believe I can fly, and you say, oh, are you buying a plane ticket to go somewhere? No, no, you don't understand. 
I can actually fly without the aid of any mechanics, without a plane, without an engine, without one of those suits that you can jump out of an airplane with. No, I can just fly. Standing here, I will zoom into the stars and end up in Pocatello. Now, first of all, if you could fly and Pocatello is your, de your destination, then you are clinically insane. <laughs> People are like, wait a second. I like Pocatello. It's just a joke. Now, one of the things about it is, though, if someone were to say, hey, I'm going to go up and jump off this building because I could fly, we would call the cops because we would say that's insane. See, that's crazy. Uh, you can't ignore that law. There are, there are laws in society about how we conduct ourselves. Uh, the other day, I was uh, uh, driving down from a call, and you know, you're driving down that, you know, Highway 55, that real windy road and stuff like that. And, and we're, we're cruising down, the roads are clear, I don't know, 55, 60, 65 miles an hour. The people going up are going 55, 60 miles an hour. And I was just thinking as I was driving along that I am driving within three feet of that other person as they're zooming towards me right? I mean, they're about three feet apart. And here we are hurtling this three-ton vehicle. They've got a three-ton vehicle. And what is the one thing that separates us? What is the one thing that is this little double yellow line? And that, that line is just four inches thick. Isn't that interesting? We abide by that, that rule. And if someone violates that rule, then you'll hear about a head-on collision. And that's always a tragedy. What's the point here? Is that there's rules and then there's rule rules, right? You know, there's rules in relationships, right? There, there's rules in relationships. And when you abide by these rules, guess what happens? Is you show respect. But if you don't abide by these rules in relationships, you don't show respect. Now, one of the things is, is that when I was young, what would you do is that, uh, this is just about, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, um, you, if you were dating, what would you do? Is you would go out and you would ask a girl out on a date. There was only one time a year where the girls would ask guys out, and it was called the Sadie Hawkins dance. Does anybody remember that? They kind of upended that kind of thing. And so what you would do is if you went out with a girl, you asked her out a few times, after a number of times, what you would do is you would ask her if she would go steady with you. Does anybody remember that? Does anybody remember going steady? Yeah, not many people today. So the, the other day, uh, uh, this is a while back, I was at a uh, benefit, you know, this one of these things, and we were at, down at the Boise State, uh, uh, the Stickle Center, and we we're up there around these big round tables, you know, these benefits where they're raising money for stuff. And there's some people from our church, and and uh, they, they were sitting at the table with us, and I don't know what I was talking about. I was talking about something, I, some recipe I came up with, and she was talking about a recipe that she'd come up with, you know, and, and I know her husband, she's a lot younger. And so I just, I just said to her, I said, you know what, let's hook up. And my wife looks at me and says, you can't say that. And I said, what? When I, when I see people, I say, hey, let's hook up. Well, evidently, when you're talking to a lady today and you say you want to hook up, it means something totally different than it used to mean when I was young. So I, I'm not up on that. So I communicated disrespect in that situation. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what, how do you know? Now today what happens is you start interacting with a girl or a girl interacts with a guy 
through one of these things, right? You send a text, you Snapchat them, you TikTok them, you do something or other. And then after that, uh, after there's been a certain amount of digital interaction, you'll get together and you'll have a thing called a DTR. And I'm like, what in the world is a DTR? It's define the relationship, you know? And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's so different. But all I can tell you is that today, I have come to the conclusion through all of this is that dating in today's world is more confusing now than it has ever been since the beginning of time. I, I fully suspect there's going to be a new movement out where Home Depot sells this big old, uh, this big old, like, big old stick, you know, like a big bludgeon thing, you know, and it's going to call the wife getter. And he's, you know, guys are going to buy that, go out, look for a lady and then top him on the head and say, I'm going to drag you home and be my wife. That's going to be the backlash because it's got so confusing. Nobody knows what to do anymore. Now, these are all rules, right? There's some good rules. There's bad rules. There's little rules. There's big rules. You know, sometimes if you violate a rule, it's a faux, faux pas and it's not. Let me ask you a question. What about spiritual rules. What if there are spiritual rules and these rules are so important that if you violate them or you forget them, your life will never be the same. Now, when you think about it, there's really only two options prevalent for us today or even present. And that is number one, there is no God. And if there is no God, the logical conclusion to that, and everybody who holds this position agrees with this conclusion, that is, your life is pretty much irrelevant. There is no meaning or purpose in the world. Your decisions are predetermined by neurochemical responses. And therefore, things like the you that is you or your soul or your spirit, none of that exists at all. So that's really kind of depressing. Um, now, go over here on the other side, there is a God. And if there is a God, then that means you're created, that you're a spiritual being and you have a soul, right? You have a soul. And so what I would like to know is what in the world are the rules of the soul? What is it that defines and guides and leads and the nature of your soul? Now, see, that's what the book of Galatians is all about. And we're going to start a brand new series called Seven Rules for Life. And it focuses on the rules that Paul tells the Galatians that govern your soul. Now, let's uh, jump in. If you'd like to take notes, you can pull open the phone app. And all of these message notes are in that app and you can even do the fill in the blanks as we go through. Also, if you're watching, please subscribe to our YouTube channel because that helps the message get out. Now, the book of Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to a group of churches in Anatolia, Turkey. It's modern-day Turkey. There's an area there called Anatolia. It's mildly hilly or mountainous, and it that time was called Galatia. And there was a group of people that uh, traveled with Paul and they planted churches in this little region, right? And then after Paul left, another group of people came behind and said, if you want to follow Jesus and be a Christian, you got to convert to Judaism. 
You gotta be a full Jewish person in order to believe and follow Jesus and receive the grace of God in your life. So Paul is writing and saying that what they are teaching you is wrong. Many people believe that the book of Galatians was written right before the church council in Acts chapter 15, where all the apostles, the apostle Peter and the other apostles, met with Paul, met with Barnabas, and then they refuted this early heresy in the church. Now, we're going to study it because it's really applicable to today. And the reason why it's so applicable is because we live in a world today where everyone is trying to completely upend and redefine what the rules of the soul are all about. We live in a world today that says when it comes to your soul, you can create any soul you want and believe anything you want to believe about it. As long as you're passionate about it, then it must be true. Well, Paul writes the Galatians and says something. There are certain rules about your soul you can never forget, and you cannot ignore them, or your life will never be the same. In the book of Galatians, Paul says, look, what you believe is really important, and if you believe things that contradict one another, guess what? Your life ends up in chaos, and your soul ends up in pain. So the premise of all of his thoughts throughout this entire book are on the premise of this, and that is the law of non-contradiction, and that is don't believe things that contradict the truth. Otherwise, it will mess you up. So we're going to jump in and see what he teaches. We're going to start in the first chapter of the book of Galatians. I encourage you to read this. And uh, throughout our entire series of seven weeks, it's only six chapters long, so it doesn't take very long to read it all. And the more you read it, the more you'll get out of it. I really believe this. Now, the first five verses are all about an introduction. And in the introduction, he does something very important. He lays the truth foundation. And that is that Jesus Christ came to save us from sin. Verse one. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom the glory forever and ever be, amen. So it's a great promise there. He came to die for our sins and rescue us from this perverse and evil age, which I think is very appropriate for today. Now, in verse six, he starts talking about his purpose, okay? And how the purpose that the Galatians have, they're in danger of losing, Verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the message of Jesus Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Wow, that's pretty serious. 
Look at what he does. He actually says it again. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So he's saying never lose the mission or the purpose for who, why you've been called to Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 10. In verse 10, he says where this mission, this revelation, this purpose comes from. Verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. That's very important. It didn't come from people. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. So he then goes on to say, look, because I didn't receive this mission or purpose from myself or from any other human being, I received it from Jesus as a revelation. My entire life proves that my purpose that came from Jesus is all about Jesus. Look at verse 13, where he says this. Now, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. Paul actually ran around and arrested people who were followers of Christ. Verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. So I received this from God and I didn't talk to anybody else. And then he goes on, he says, look, after a number of years, I traveled there and, and then I traveled over here and then I traveled there. And then he ends off the chapter after he talks about all of his different travels. Verse 23, he talks about the church. The church only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So what we see here is that very early on, the Galatians began to uh, hear a message different from the one originally preached to them. They received the message that was given to Paul, divine revelation, and they began to leave that truth. And it was going to cause all kinds of problems in their life. Paul is saying there's one rule that you can never forget. Don't ever, 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 ever Ever, 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 ever. If you say it 10 times, it's gotta be a big deal, right? Don't ever forget, and that is don't ever forget your purpose in life. Don't ever forget that. He says, you received this as a revelation from Jesus. Now don't forget about it, because if you do, it's gonna cause all kinds of problems in your life. Now, why is that? 
Well, the first reason why is because your purpose always originates in Jesus Christ. Notice what verse 12 says right there. I did not receive this purpose from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So Paul received the gospel message from Jesus, and he received the call to preach it to the Gentiles from Jesus. In the same way, you cannot know your true self until you know the true Jesus. You see, your purpose must originate in him. Let's go back to the question we had earlier. There is either a God or there is not a God. If there is no God, then your decisions, your thoughts are not really real. There is no soul. There is no spirit. There's no afterlife. You're just a part of this gigantic machine. You're a cosmic accident. Whether you live or die or exist is totally irrelevant, right? Well, that's one side. Over here on this side is that, well, if there is an afterlife, if there is a God, then there is something else going on. You have a soul. Now, in my soul, how can I discover my purpose? Can I discover it from my friends? Can I discover it from this material world in which I live? Can I discover it from another person telling me what my purpose is? Paul says the only way to discover your purpose is to know Jesus Christ. It's his revelation to you. Now, one of the things about it today is that we're at a crossroads because for the last 50 years, every person in America has been subconsciously taught the notion that there is either no God or God doesn't matter to your soul. Now, this is why, in my opinion, that we live in a world where young people have the highest rates of suicide than in any other time in the history of our world that we've recorded it. In the highest rates of uh, depression, the highest rates of anxiety, the highest rates of social isolation, the highest rates, you can just go on and on and on. And part of the reason why is because our world has tried to tell young people over the last 50 years that you can discover your purpose in life from your friends. You can discover your purpose in life from the material world around you. You can discover your purpose, your meaning for existence based on what you want or feel like. But this is simply not true. It's not true because it is a revelation of God that you were created in his image and that your life tainted by sin needs to be redeemed so that you can discover anew what it is that God wants to do in you and through you. Apart from Jesus, that isn't ever going to happen. And that's why our church, Foothills Christian Church, is all about Jesus. That's why it's so important for us to have you have a personal confrontation interaction with Jesus so that you know him, so that he then lives in you and that he reveals to you your purpose. What I think about your purpose is pretty irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's what you believe God has called you to be. That is what 
is so important. Now, the next thing I'd like to talk about a little bit is this, is not only does your purpose originate in Jesus, your purpose will ground your life and give you a code of honor. Paul thought persecuting the church was a great thing. But then he says, once I got this revelation from Jesus Christ, he says in verse 23, now the church heard the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Now, what he's saying is that my entire life was upended by this revelation. I totally changed directions, and I was now grounded in the truth, and I had a new code of honor. Regardless of how I would be received or rejected by uh, my Jewish friends, I became a follower of Christ. This truth right here is critical for living a meaningful life. First and foremost, it's critical because we live in a world where life is not fair. It's not fair. Life is not always just because the world is filled with evil. It gets hard. You face hard things because you're in a race. So run the race of life in order to win it. You're in it to win it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right? That's the goal. And so if you have a purpose, you will be grounded, and then you will have a code of honor in how to live your life. This is critically important because what happens is when you don't have a code of honor, you will wander aimlessly through life. You'll wander aimlessly through relationships. You'll wander aimlessly through your parenting. You'll wander aimlessly through your career. See, when you're young, what happens is you tend to like to hang around people who like you, right? You tend to go places where you feel this is my tribe or my peeps and this is what I'm good at. And so what happens is you tend to then look at friendships as things that lift you up and encourage you. And over time, what you do is you find somebody else who you fall in love with who makes you feel really, really good about yourself. But the problem is, if you don't discover this, you're going to really struggle in your marriage. You all know this to be true, all of you who are married, right? I've performed so many wedding ceremonies right here in this auditorium. Love the way we set it up. And people always, you know, I always walk out with the guy and he's standing next to me. And over the, the lady walks in and she's standing there. She's just gorgeous and her, her thing. He's seen it for the first time, you know, the, they call it the first look now or something. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know, and then she walks down this lovely aisle. Can they have a runner? You know, they'll pull that runner out, you know, and they walk down and it's all white. And, and they always set up these big arches and things behind me that are really cool. And uh, so it looks like this big, you know, altar to their relationship with flowers and pictures and all these kinds of things, you know. And then you always have to sing a song during uh, 
uh, communion time. You know, they'll have communion and they'll light a unity candle. And, you know, my favorite are some of those old classic hymns. And then that becomes the pattern for their relationship for their entire marriage. I'll alter him. You're like, you work so hard for that lame joke. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> if you don't understand this, then what will happen in your life is that your relationship and your marriage becomes one that is transactional. And transactional relationships never reach covenantal level. People say to me all the time, I want a soulmate. I really want a soulmate. And what happens is to become a soulmate with somebody, you have to have two people that get beyond transactional love and they get into covenantal love. And that is where they say, I love you because this is my code of honor. I, I love you even if you're not there for me. I love you even when you disappoint me. I love you even regardless, in spite of all of those things. When you discover your purpose, you will ground your life in meaning and you will have a code of honor in how you conduct yourself. So never, ever, ever forget your purpose because here's why, which is one of the most important reasons why this is a rule. Your purpose can be perverted. You see, your purpose can be perverted and warped. Notice what he says in verse 7. When he's talking to the Galatians, he says, look, he goes, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. This is why you need a rule. Don't ever forget your purpose. It originates with Jesus. Jesus is the one telling me who I am. It grounds me. It gives me a code of honor. And then I know what I'm working towards. It gives me direction. And ultimately, nobody can pervert my purpose. Because you live in a world today where everyone is trying to manipulate and pervert the purpose of who God has called you to be. This is where the law of non-contradiction has such a massive impact in your life. Remember I was talking about you can't believe two things that are in opposition. I was at a conference a while back listening to Dr. Henry Cloud. He wrote a book called Boundaries. I don't know if you're familiar with the book called Boundaries. He's a very popular uh, Christian psychologist. And he was talking about how when he was in school, he was living in an apartment and he had a couple dogs and he had some neighbors who didn't like the fact that he had dogs. So these neighbors called the police on him. And so one day he gets a knock on the door and the cop says, yeah, we got to complain about the way you're treating your dogs. And he goes, oh, okay, well, what's the complaint? He said, well, first of all, you're neglecting to feed your dogs so they're starving. He goes, okay. And he goes, and you're not picking up their poop. And so Henry Cloud looked at the cop for a moment and he goes, I think you're going to need to pick one of those. Because if I'm not, I'm not feeding them, then that second one isn't going to happen. <laughs> if I am feeding them, then the second one will happen. So you're going to have to pick one. And the cop goes, I see your point. 
You know, it's interesting because we are convinced to believe things that are incongruent or conflict all the time. I had this lovely young lady about five or six years ago. She walked into my office and um, she was in her late 20s. She's like 28. And she said, you know, pastor, I need to talk to you because I, I haven't found anybody to date yet. I would really like to find somebody to marry one day and I want a soulmate, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I said, that's great. I go, well, let's try to just get a, clarify a few things. Do you know what you're looking for? She says, yes, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I have it written down on a vision board in, in my apartment, right? And I go, oh, really? Well, what's on your vision board? She goes, oh, I like men, you know, who have big beards, they have big arms, I like, I really am attracted to that strong, silent type. And I thought, okay, that's helping me understand what you like. She goes, and I want a man who will sit on the couch with me and have long, deep conversations late into the night. And I went, if you want a strong, silent type, they're silent. <laughs> they don't talk. They don't say many words. That's why people call them silent. If you want to have conversations, you need to be attracted to a guy who's talky-talky, right? It, does that make sense? Then I have guys come to me. You know, guys, uh, yeah, pastor, I want you to pray for me. Okay, I, I, I do that. Love to pray for you. Yeah, I'm looking for a woman. Really? Yeah, I think it's about time to settle down. I'm looking for a woman. I need a woman. Should we get for me? Well, what would you like me to pray for? Well, first of all, I want a woman, you know. I, I like women who really take good care of their hair. They dress really nice, you know. They're physically in shape. They take care of themselves. She puts a lot of energy, a lot of effort into that. You know, I really like, I really like women, you know, have really nice manicured um, hands, you know, and they're just, you know, I, I don't know why I'm just attracted to super classy, well put together women. And I'm like, okay, that's good. And I want a girl, man, who'll get in the mud with me, ride four wheelers, you know, go horseback, go hunting with me and all that kind of stuff. Love fishing, doesn't mind pulling the fish out, ripping that hook out and all that kind of stuff. And I go, How does that work, you know? I mean, we believe, I know I'm being a little silly here because I'm driving home a point. And here's the point. We believe stuff that's incongruent and contradicts it all the time. We do it all the time. We say, God, I want my life to have meaning. God, I want my life to have purpose. God, I, want, I, I, I don't want to be trapped in this constant cycle of disappointment and aggravation and emptiness and loneliness and anxiety and pain. And, and God, I'm tired of doing the same stupid things I do over and over again and attracting the same type of people that end up hurting me or breaking my heart or abandoning me and telling me I don't measure up as a man. I'm tired of doing this over and over and over over again. But I'm going to believe that I know what I'm doing and I know how to pick and I'm in charge of my life because I always make great decisions. Never forget you have a purpose because your purpose will be perverted and it'll be perverted by Satan. 
He'll do everything he can to mess you up, trip you up. He wants your 2021 to look worse than your 2020 because he enjoys that. You cannot believe two things that contradict one another. And there's an insidious notion in our world today that you can believe whatever you want. And really what they're saying is you can believe whatever you want because what you believe doesn't really matter. But I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. And what you believe does really matter. It's a lie that's told over and over again because it's a lie designed to trap you. It's a lie that's designed to keep you from walking your own path, knowing God, discovering your mission and purpose in life, and living a joy-filled, abundant, meaningful existence. One that enhances the love and the value of the people that you know, lifts up your friends, builds churches, builds communities, builds companies, builds families, and builds children. It's a lie that comes from Satan himself and our entire world spouts it in every movie, every commercial, every sports program today like no tomorrow. And that is believe whatever you want. And what they're really saying is this, because what you believe is totally irrelevant. You, when you believe one thing by default, you're choosing to believe everything else. G.K. Chesterton, he was a, a, a theologian, and he used to write about this. Uh, and he would say this. He says, a man can fall on his face hundreds of different ways, hundreds of different angles. You can trip and fall on your face. But there's only one way that you can stand. There's only one way you can stand. You better find that truth. And I'm telling you today that that truth only comes when you know Jesus, because it's Jesus and Jesus Christ alone who will give your life meaning and purpose. We are going to dig into this when we study the book of Galatians and the seven rules for life. Let's listen to our host. I hope this new series is hitting you in the most important places and helping you focus on the things you can do to make 2021 great. Start your journey with Jesus by downloading the How to Connect to Jesus booklet from our website. It may be time for you to be baptized. Simply text FH Baptism to 97000. If you need someone to pray with you, text FH Prayer to 97000 and we will pray with you. One of the most important decisions you can make for 2021 is to connect with a spiritual mentor or a small group. We have groups that meet in person, online, digitally, and in every way imaginable. What makes these groups work is that they are intentional, regular, and with people who want to grow spiritually. Don't miss out on a great year by skipping this important step. If you're ready to join a group, watch out for details to come about the winter group launch happening in early February. If you're doing church at home, use the discussion questions to continue the conversation. If you're on campus, let's stand for closing prayer. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.